you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. I want everybody who has a Bible to open up to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to welcome all of our satellite campuses and all those who are live streaming or listening by podcast. We're so glad you're with us. This is a significant day today. God is instituting an apostolic team. I want to walk through some scripture with everybody from the Word of God. This is not just for the Rock Anaheim. This is for all of the campuses of the Rock. This is significant. The apostolic team will serve all of the body of the Rock, as well as all of the precious lead pastors. Oh, we have some amazing lead pastors of every congregation across our church. And they are just knocking it out of the park, doing great things for the kingdom of God to serve those respective congregations. But we're privileged to be a part of this. And what's happening here, we wanted this to come to all the congregations so that everybody would know that the Lord is establishing something for everyone, every person, everywhere as a part of our church. We're going to look back on this day and say, do you remember when the Lord identified and released those gifts into our body at that level. And then we're going to be able to track a move of the spirit that has not happened yet since the days that we began this church. So I want to begin. Let's all look now at Ephesians chapter four. I'd like us all to read out loud the seventh through the twelfth verses of Ephesians four. As usual, we'll be reading from the New King James Version. If you don't have that translation, that's all right. There are a lot of good ones, but just for the sake of us reading aloud, follow along on the screens if you would, so we can all read the same words. Everybody together, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, loudly and together, let's read. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let's stop there. Unfortunately, most of the body of Christ do not pursue their callings nor, nor fulfill their ministry assignments. Most either don't know how or don't realize why it's so important. But Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Jesus is no fool. He knows very well the challenges, resistance and distractions that would try to hinder the members of the body of Christ, including every one of us here today. So what did he do? Well, listen again to Ephesians 4, specifically verses 8, 11, and 12. When Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men, and he, gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, this passage tells us that when Jesus left the earth, knowing both the importance of reaching the world and the resistance his followers would face, he gave his people five specific gifts to equip them and build them up. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This, however, was not an afterthought. Jesus had planned this from the beginning. Listen to what Jesus did early in his ministry, reading from Luke 6. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. Notice in verses 12 and 13, it says Jesus prayed all night long, and then in the morning he called all of his hundreds of disciples together, and from them he chose 12 of them, and he also named those 12 apostles. Now this was early in his ministry, and yet we already see an apostolic team chosen to be with him and to walk with him. Not only did Jesus choose the 12, but he also empowered them with spiritual authority and sent them to use it while he was still mentoring them. Listen to Matthew 10.1. And when he had called his 12 disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, about 10 days before the day of Pentecost, which was the grand opening of the New Testament church, Jesus ascended back to heaven. He left no standard operating procedures to run the church, no clear organizational charts, no church systems or processes, no strategic plan. He simply left 11 individuals as apostles, and the 12th was added in Acts chapter 1 to replace Judas. Though the 12 apostles were indeed Jesus' primary plan to launch the early church, he also knew they would need help, a lot of help. So he sent them the helper, the mighty Holy Spirit. Remember what he told them the night before he died, John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, talking to the 12, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then in John 16, 7 and 13, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. In the early chapters of the book of Acts, the Bible records that the 12 apostles led the church together. This began, actually, on day one of the church, the day of Pentecost. Listen to Acts 2.14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, notice the Holy Spirit through the writer, Luke, accepts Matthias as replacing Judas and calls him one of the eleven. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said... The revival began that day with 3,000 people being saved and added to the church, but it didn't stop there. God continued to use the apostles in mighty ways. Listen to Acts 5.12. And through the hands of the apostles, we're talking about the 12, 
Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Then in Acts chapter 6, the needs of the ministry had continued to expand. The larger the church grew, the more needs there were. And so these 12 enacted something, being led by the Holy Spirit, that is very similar to what is being acted today. In Acts chapter 6, verse 2, the Bible records, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, twelve, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word are the two legs on which the church can run. Prayer and the ministry of the word. They are irreplaceable. And the 12 apostles knew very well, if we allow the practical needs of the ministry to take us away from prayer and to take us away from the ministry of the word, then the church is going to be crawling. We need to spend time in prayer and we need to spend time in the ministry of the word. Well, what was the result? Not only were there other leaders equipped and activated in the ministry, but the fruitfulness and multiplication of the early church accelerated. Listen to Acts 6, 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, those were Jewish priests, were obedient to the faith, talking about faith in Jesus Christ. And to expand his church, Jesus continued to give apostolic leaders. There are many people who believe that the apostolic ministry died with the first 12 apostles, but it's so not true. Evidence throughout scripture and in the New Testament, of course, is Jesus continuing to give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let me give you some examples. The word apostle is used to describe quite a number of people including the original 12, Matthias, who replaced Judas, and 12 others, including Paul, Apollos, Epaphroditus, James, the Lord's brother, Barnabas, Adronicus, Junia, Titus, an unnamed brother with Titus, another unnamed brother with Titus, Timothy, and Silas. The Bible also records that Jesus gave prophets, Prophets that were different than the original 12 apostles. For example, in Acts 13, 1, the Bible says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Notice, this is not the church in Jerusalem. This is the church up to the north, a church uh, filled with Gentiles among the Jews. And there were certain prophets and teachers. And he lists five men there. And it begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul. We don't know all of which were which, which ones were prophets, which ones were teachers, or whether they were all both prophets and teachers. What we do know is among these five men were prophets. And the question is, where did they come from? Well, the, the Bible tells us where they came from. When Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. In Acts 15, 32, the Bible says, Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. Well, where did Judas and Silas come from? How does the Bible make them prophets? Well, 
according to the Holy Spirit, they were indeed prophets, and they came from the Jerusalem church. And of course, Acts 21.10, the Bible says, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Well, where did this prophet Agabus come from? Well, we know where, from Jesus, from Jesus, because Jesus gives the fivefold ministry for the edifying of the church. And then, among other scriptures that would verify this, let me just reference one more about the prophet. Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Now, this is the church at Corinth. This is a Gentile church in Asia Minor. Well, in, in Greece specifically. And I've, I've been to this location. But look at this. He said, let two or three prophets speak and let the other prophets judge. In other words, don't just let prophet after prophet after prophet just speak. No, let two or three of the prophets speak and then let the others judge. Well, the question is, how many prophets do you have in Corinth? And where did they come from? I thought this all died away with the apostles in Jerusalem. Well, of course not. Of course not. See, Jesus is building his church. And to this day, he's still building his church. And guess how he's building? Not only the helper of the Holy Spirit, but he gives gifts. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Well, what about the evangelists? In Acts 21.8, we read this. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with them, stayed with him. Well, wait a minute. He was one of the seven original table servers in Acts chapter six. And now some chapters later, some years later, they call him Philip the evangelist. Well, they should, because this is a grace that was on him. He may not have had the title before, but everybody could see the grace. Acts chapter eight, when persecution hit the Jerusalem church, Philip went to Samaria and began to preach Christ to them and miracles broke out in his ministry and Samaria came to the Lord. The Bible says hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. How many of you remember the story? See, so this, this is an evangelist verified in the scripture, not one of the original 12. Well, there, there are also many pastors, so many pastors that we don't even know them all, nor can we name them all, but pastors like Aquila and Priscilla and Nymphus who Paul the apostle specifically mentioned and said to greet them and greet the church that's in their house. See, what a lot of people don't realize is that's where pretty much all the churches were in people's homes. There were not back in those days church buildings. That came later. People met in the synagogue. People in Jerusalem sometimes met in the temple. But most of these churches met in homes. And that person that would be leading that ministry in that home would be the pastor. And the Bible identifies that these were gifts from Jesus to lead those small churches. Some of them grew rather large, even in the homes. And then, of course, lastly, the teacher. We've already mentioned in Acts 13, 1, there were certain prophets and teachers in Antioch, and teachers are mentioned throughout the word of God. Well, still today, Jesus provides his church with the fivefold ministry gifts. I believe we have quite a number of them across our church campuses. The lead pastors would certainly be in this category, as well as other pastors and even many people in our church that don't go by such titles yet. And yet the Lord has graced them and gifted them with these capacities. Why? Because Jesus wants to establish, build up and equip his people for the work of ministry. 
I've always known and I've discussed numerous times with the executive pastors of The Rock that one day we would identify an apostolic team similar to the 12 in Jerusalem who would be appointed to lead The Rock spiritually. Last year, the executive team and I, we both sensed that we were getting close to this and we thought it may be last year that we did this. But this year, I received a series of words from the Lord captured in about seven different journal entries uh, in the first three months of this year. And let me share how it began. I'm just going to read a few excerpts. January the 16th is where it sort of began. And I wrote this journal entry called A Word to Jerry. And I wrote this. At the, Hilt, at the Hilton Hotel in Glendale, I laid down about 1130 and still felt a hunger for God. I had just finished our daily reading, several chapters of reading the Bible in prayer. But I wrote, I was not sleepy and my heart was still stirred. So I finally got up, turned the lights on, picked up my Bible and asked God where to turn. It seems Zechariah 4 was the place. Well, I read the whole chapter and parts of it multiple times. But verse 6 is the key verse that stood out among others. And it says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Well, there's much to this word, to this journal entry that I won't go into now, but the Lord was saying very clearly, I am moving by my spirit and I'm confirming this to you that what's about to happen is not by your power, but it is indeed by the power of my spirit. Then on February the 8th in our daily Bible reading, I read Matthew 9, 17 and I knew the Lord was speaking and so I captured a journal entry called Time for New Wineskins. And the text was Matthew 9, 17, nor do they put new wine, Jesus said, into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Here's what I wrote. As I read this today, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying that this new move of the Spirit requires new wineskins, that there are old patterns and schedules in our ministry that now need to change to align to this new move of the Spirit. And then on the same day, I got done with that journal entry, went right back to the same verse to continue my reading, and the Holy Spirit spoke again. In fact, let me read Matthew 9, 17, but along with verses 18 and 19. Listen to this. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Notice verse 18 while he spoke these things to them. In other words, while Jesus was speaking about the importance of new wineskins, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him. Never had paid attention to that phrase, while he spoke these things to them. Behold, look at this, a ruler came, worshiped him. We know him to be Jairus, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. I wrote this, as I read this today, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying that part of the new wineskins is me stepping out to lay hands on people to be healed. Well, I pray for people to be healed all the time. I lay hands on people all the time. But I also know for a while, the Lord has instructed me to have more times of, of calling for people who are sick to be healed and laying hands on them. I know some of the other members of the apostolic team have also heard this same thing and have and God is calling for the sick to come because he wants to heal them. I said, because he wants to heal them. Amen. And so 
I knew from the Lord that this new wineskin, this new change that he wanted to do was so that he could begin to pour a fresh move of the Holy Spirit through this change. See, sometimes we have to change so that God can do what he wants to do. Sometimes we think we're waiting on God, but God's saying, no, I need you to get into alignment. I need you to get things set up the way that I want them to be set up. And then I'll begin to move at a new level. So I entitled that journal entry time to heal. And then the very next day I was reading, just minding my own business, as I like to say, reading through our daily reading. And I got here to Matthew chapter 10, the first verse. And it says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Here's what I wrote in my journal. As I read this verse this morning, I knew by the Holy Spirit that I am to lay hands on an apostolic team and that I am to appoint them and that we should expect to see healings and deliverances as a result of that, as a result of that. So I got done with that journal entry, went right back to Matthew chapter 10 to continue reading. And I began to read verse two and the Holy Spirit spoke again. Now, let me just stop and say your mind can take the Bible and creatively apply it to your life however you want to. You can suit your fancy, but all you'll be is embarrassed. See, we're not supposed to take the Bible and cleverly, creatively apply it so that it says what we want it to say about what we want it to be said. No, no. The Holy Spirit has to say these things. Now, we know the Bible is true, but the Holy Spirit needs to apply these things properly and at the right time. And so what I'm telling you is not that you can just take it and apply it any way you want to. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit was quickening these things and telling me now is the time. And this is what I'm saying. So I got back from journaling on Matthew 10, 1, and I began to read chapter 10, verse 2. Listen to this. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these first Simon. Now, normally I, I'm drawn to this word first. Because most people think John was the number one disciple, but very clearly in the Bible, the Bible shows us that Peter was the number one dis disciple. And this is the primary text, I think, that is the nail in the coffin on that subject, because it not only lists Simon Peter first, but it says first Simon. That's normally what my attention is drawn to when I begin to read this along with just the names of the apostles. But this time, first time it ever happened. This time, when I got to this part, now the names of the 12 apostles, I mean, it's, that's all, that's as far as I got. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's time to name the apostles. It's time to name the apostles. See, I never had thought about that before. Now the names of the 12. See, the Holy Spirit gave the names. He didn't just say Jesus had 12. He said, and these are their names. See, a lot of people say, well, why do we have to name them? We name them because God wants to establish certain individuals in their roles. And if nobody knows who they are, how can we receive their gifts? How can you receive a gift from Jesus if, if we don't want to identify what the gift is, but let's just say we receive it. No, we need to know, well, where, where is it? Where is it so I can receive it? Is that right? And so Jesus named his 12. He prayed all night and then he named them. And so the Holy Spirit said, it's time to name the apostles, the rock apostolic team. And then on February the 22nd, we were reading Romans chapter one, and I read these verses in verses five and six. It says, through him, 
we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And here's what I wrote. As I read this, knowing that we are approaching an announcement of an apostolic team, I see that each of the team members have received grace and apostleship and that we have received such for obedience, for obedience, for obedience. As I prayed about who the Lord would have to be named as the members of this apostolic team, I had a pretty good idea. But of course, you pray about these things. You don't just presume. You pray. You ask the Lord. And I wrote down five names, and I brought those five names to Kimberly, and uh, she verified. She said, I believe those are the five that the Lord has identified right now. Kimberly is, of course, my number one on the list. Kimberly Dearman, Carl McCauley, Ty Austin, Tristan Fenholt, and Monica Stenberg. Now, let me just stop right now because I've named two ladies. Some people may discount these ladies as being qualified for such significant church leadership roles. But I want you to consider some points from the Word of God. I think it's appropriate for me to go back to the Word of God. You know, this is our foundation. Isn't that right? If we can't identify any grounds or foundation from the Word of God, we have no business moving with any confidence. We need the Bible. We need God's Word. So let me share a few things with you because some folks have been taught that women should not be playing any leadership roles in church, particularly at these higher levels. And by the way, I could share for hours on this subject. So I'm just going to give you a little snapshot today because I think it's appropriate right now to give you the confidence standing on the word of God to receive all of these apostolic team members and not just those that are male. First of all, the apostle Paul, whom many people think is the one who discounts women in ministry, he said this in 2 Timothy 3.16. He said, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Paul said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. In other words, you can't X out any part of the scripture when it comes to doctrine. You have to let the Bible talk. The reason, the reason he said that, and the reason I'm pointing it out, is because some people would just like to take one or two scriptures and just ignore the rest of the Bible. And that is not appropriate. Paul is saying, no, we need to let the Bible talk. God, God did not learn through the Old and New Testament. God has never learned anything. He's always known everything. So everything he says jives with everything else he said. Did you hear me? Everything he said jives with everything else he said. And so we need to take all the scripture. Well, let me say this, that in the Bible, there are a number of ladies whom the Bible says, the Holy Spirit through the biblical authors say, are prophets. And, and it uh, normally translates that as prophetess. That's a female prophet. And so, for example, Miriam. You remember Miriam, Moses' sister? In Exodus 15, 20, the Bible says, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and so on. But notice it specifically calls her a prophetess. And then in Micah 6, 4, somebody might say, well, yeah, okay, so maybe she was a prophetess and she prophesied, but she wasn't in any leadership position. She wasn't called to lead. Well, that's very interesting because God said in Micah 6, 4, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. 
I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Isn't that interesting? God says, I sent all three of them before you. I sent all three of them before you. Well, if God did that, I don't want to discount her, do you? And not only that, but the scriptures call her a prophetess. Well, then let's talk about Deborah for a moment. The Bible says in Judges 4.4, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. These are great studies to do, by the way. But let me just tell you, not only does God say Deborah was a prophetess, but the Bible also says that even being a wife, what does that mean? That means she's submitted to her husband at home. But she was judging Israel at the time. What you need to understand is, in those days, there were no kings. They had no presidents. They had no prime ministers or any other authority. The authority back in those days was a judge. She was the chief civil authority over all of Israel. In other words, the buck stopped with her. Nobody overruled her. She was number one. So at home, maybe Lapidoth was in charge at home as the husband. But when they walked out of the house, she was chief of the whole nation. Do you understand what I'm saying? And let me just tell you, there's nothing in the whole story that has any hint that God looked for a man, but because he couldn't find a man, he had to go with a woman. But you know, there's some people that try to interject that, try to add that to the Bible. That's nowhere found in the Bible. But they try to add that to the Bible because they have a belief and they're trying to get the Bible to affirm their belief. I'm sorry, it just does not. It just does not. God chose this lady because she was the best for the job. In fact, I'll tell you this, the commander of the army of Israel at the time needed to go take the army out to battle. And he came to Deborah and said, will you go with me? Will you come with me? And it was obvious in the text. The reason is because she's connected to God. She has the word of the Lord. And he believes if she goes with him, God goes with him. See, let me tell you, this is a powerful story. And Israel had one of the greatest victories they've ever had. They've ever had. And there's no hint in the Bible that God thought this was any second-rate victory. But it was led by a woman as a prophetess and the judge. And then, of course, 2 Chronicles 34, 22, uh, among, uh, along with another verse, shows us Huldah. Huldah. It says, so Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess. And guess what? Huldah gave the word of God. The word of God. Nothing in the text suggests that, well, we couldn't find a male prophet, so we had to go to Huldah. Nothing. See, all that is somebody else trying to read into the passage. This is just God using ladies in a powerful way. And then when Jesus was born, you remember his parents brought him to the temple. And the Bible says in Luke 2, 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. So here's a Jewish woman, 84 years old. And when they bring Jesus in, nobody else knows who this baby is. But by the spirit of God, this prophetess knows and she shows up right at the right time. And she knows that's the Messiah right there. She identifies him, ministers over them and such. And let me tell you, the Bible picks that off and says, we just want you to see this prophetess here that was moving all these oblivious men that were around. And yet here's a woman that's keyed into what the spirit of God is saying. Don't you appreciate the Bible? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Well, not only that, I love what Acts 21.9 says. 
and especially from the NASB, it says about Philip, the evangelist. It says, now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. Four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. Well, it's not only women functioning in the office of prophet, but in others. For example, Priscilla, along with her husband Quisilla, uh, Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila were both pastors. In fact, in the Greek text, four out of the five times Paul mentions Priscilla and Aquila, he mentions her name first, which is countercultural. You don't mention the woman's name first unless she's the primary leader of that ministry. I know that uh, this happened when Kimberly was the district supervisor for seven years. Sometimes we'd go somewhere and we were there because she's the supervisor and she's representing that role. And when they would introduce us, often they would say, we want to introduce Kimberly and Jerry Dearman. And I didn't have any problem with that because I knew, listen, I'm tagging along with her right now. She's the district supervisor and I'm just here because I'm married to her right now. I was not there as Pastor Jerry. I was there because she has this role. And she was, along with several other hundred pastors, she was my overseer at the time. And I had no problem with that. No problem with that. But they introduced her first because of that role. And that seems to be what Paul did as well. The Apostle Paul identified, greeted, and affirmed more female leaders than any New Testament author. For example, in Romans 16, 7, Paul greets a woman named Junia and not only identified her as an apostle, but as a noteworthy apostle. But see, these are just a few details of what Peter really broke open on the day of Pentecost. Peter, quoting from the prophet Joel, you remember this, and he said this in Acts 2, 17 and 18. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on what? On all flesh, all flesh. So if you have flesh, you qualify for this. Amen. If you have flesh, you qualify on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. You know what I love about what God said through Joel and then through Peter? I love that God includes male and female, young and old, and not only that, but all social status levels. See, he said, your sons and your daughters, your young men, your old men, but then he also said, and on my men's servants and on my maid servants. In other words, even if you're not free, back in these days they had slaves. Even if you're a slave, it doesn't matter. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to pour out my spirit on you and you're going to prophesy. You're going to, pro you're going to be able to speak for God. See, the Holy Spirit is the great equalizer. When he comes, he takes all of us, all of us that are, are completely unable to speak for God without the Holy Spirit. Every one of us. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care how much maleness you have. Is that right? Testosterone does not make you a spiritual giant. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, when I pour out my spirit, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And all y'all that receive the fullness of the spirit will be able to speak for God and such. And this was making it clear that God is going to, by the power of his spirit, 
appoint anybody he wants to at any time to any place, not by their own ability, but by the ability of the Spirit. In fact, doesn't the Bible say God chooses the foolish? God chooses the weak. Isn't that right? So God intentionally chooses those that others discount to use by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, even in our own movement in modern day, you know, ever since the early church began, we've seen it throughout history. God using many women, I could name many names, but let's just talk about our own movement, the Foursquare movement. Our movement was begun by a woman named Amy Semple McPherson. And let me tell you, she and her husband went as missionaries to China and he died of malaria. And they had a child there. And you think, well, man, she's probably so discouraged, it's all over. Well, she came back, she got herself together, and she began to go around in a humble way in a car and begin to hold meetings to preach the gospel. And guess what? People started being miraculously healed. And the more people got healed, the more people came to the meetings. And before you know it, she became a very famous evangelist back in the early days, 1920s and such, to where thousands upon thousands of people were coming to her meetings. People were getting healed. People were getting saved. She finally felt led to come to Los Angeles and establish the ministry there, built Angeles Temple. And, and there was a time there where people were coming and filling Angeles Temple every day of the week, seven days a week, filling up 5,000 seats back in the 1920s. And not only that, she began to plant churches and send people out. In fact, this church that we're in right now, we came and closed the function of this church, but on the books is still the same church, the Anaheim Foursquare Church, started by two women sent out by Amy Simple McPherson. You can say whatever you want to. You can say, well, yeah, all these 70,000 churches around the world and everything, all these countless thousands, hundreds of thousands of people healed and saved and such, all around the world this happening. Yeah, God couldn't do that through a woman. Well, who says? Who said he can't? The Holy Spirit can use anybody. Is that right? Anybody yielded to God. See, that's the point of the scriptures is that nobody's limited anymore now that the Holy Spirit has come. Praise God. But notice he needed somebody to stand up and to say, I believe God's calling me to do it and others to recognize and saying that's a call of God. And that's exactly what happened. Well, even today, our general supervisor in the Foursquare denomination is a woman named Tammy Dunahoo, a very competent and capable woman. In fact, we're in the process of electing a president right now, and she is one of two people that were put up as nominees to become the next president. So, I mean, 50% of the nominees is a woman. Can you believe that? How in the world could God really use a woman? Well, we know better than that. Of course he can. And nobody was trying to put a woman on the ticket. Everybody's just trying to hear from the Lord to put the best possible people on the ticket. Well, we also had several supervisors. I mentioned Kimberly, who have functioned, in my opinion, very effectively overseeing other pastors. And it's worked out beautifully, beautifully. Now, if God's word states clearly that he uses women in these very high level and impactful positions and anoints them by the Holy Spirit, and if we've seen it many, many times over the years, in modern history, which agrees with the word of God, even among our own movement and among our own church. Why in the world would we want to discount women whom God has anointed by his spirit and say they're not capable? Is the Holy Spirit really not able to do as much through a woman as a man? Is, is the Holy Spirit really that incapable? Of course not. Of course not. Every one of us 
are so low in our level of ability without his help. Every one of us, every one of us. On March the 7th, I took these five leaders away for fasting and prayer. We sought the Lord. We spent hour after hour after hour. We weren't watching television. We weren't playing games. None. We spent time in the word and time in prayer. Hour after hour seeking the Lord. And let me tell you, God is speaking to us in a powerful way. As we move toward the identification of this team, we also felt like our apostolic elders of our church, that that team needed to be expanded. Most of you would know that for several years, Pastor Jack Hayford and Dr. Leslie Kegel have been uh, an apostolic elder and a prophetic elder. We'd call them apostolic elders, but we felt like God wanted to add to the team. And through prayer, we felt like Robbie Booth would need to be asked. And we asked him and he prayed and got back to us and said he believes it is of the Lord. Robbie Booth is a pastor of pastors. Let me tell you, I, I can honestly say Kimberly would probably agree. I don't know anybody in the earth today personally that's more like Jesus than Robbie Booth. He is full of the love of Jesus. I'm telling you, he walks the streets of Los Angeles every week and he wins people to the Lord. He ministers to the homeless. He wins business owners to the Lord. He sees healings and miracles happen on a regular basis. Prophetic utterances and prophetic words. He knows the names of these homeless people that he walks by. He knows the names of their dogs and their children. He cares about these people. I'm telling you, when I'm around him, I just know this is somebody that uh, we all ought to emulate because he's like the Lord Jesus. Well, he's going to join the team as one of our apostolic elders overseeing our church and this apostolic team that we're appointing. Secondly, Steve Schell. Many of you would not know his name, but he was one of my professors in Bible college. And ever since I sat under his teaching in Bible college, I knew there's something of the Holy Spirit on this man and his teaching. This man is very well educated in the things of God. He studies straight from the Hebrew and Greek and teaches. He is writing commentaries, verse by verse studies on the Bible to teach pastors how to teach their congregations through books of the Bible. This man is uh, one of the best, strongest theologians I know, but he's full of God's word and full of the Holy Spirit. And so we asked him, he, and here's what he said. He said, Jerry, I know exactly what you're doing. And I'd be honored to be a part of this. I know exactly what you're doing. I'd be honored to be a part of this. Now, in the book of Exodus, God told Moses to lay his hands on Aaron and Aaron's sons. As I read that, I knew that God was instructing me to first lay my hands on Kimberly, my God-appointed partner in the ministry, and to recognize her as a part of this apostolic team, and then to have her help me to lay hands on the other four. So I want to identify these individuals uh, and invite them to the platform one at a time and we'll pray over them and we'll receive them each individually. First of all, I'd like to invite Kimberly to come out with me. Let me tell you about this woman. You can't live with somebody over 30 years and not know them. We've been married uh, over 31 years now. And uh, she's not perfect, but let me tell you, this woman, this woman has a heart after God. She is pure to the core. What you see publicly 
is what you'd get privately as well. She is genuine. She loves the Lord. And I've watched her over many years. And uh, I prayed. I don't know many teenage young men that would pray this, but I wrote a list of what I was asking the Lord for in a wife. And on that list, here's what I wrote. I wrote, Lord, I want a wife who will stand by my side in ministry and minister alongside of me and not just be in the background. Let me just clarify, that's not the, the right way to do it. That's not the ultimate. That's not the preferred way. But that's what was on my heart, the desire that was on my heart. I know a very prominent minister that I have tremendous respect for, and he said he prayed that he'd have a wife that could stay back with the children and take care of things so that he could be released to do what the Lord had called him to do. Okay, well, praise the Lord. That was the desire of his heart, and that's what he got. But this was the desire of my heart and what I prayed for. Now, having gone now decades into this, here's what I'm convinced of from the Lord, that when I prayed that, I thought that was my idea. But now I know the Lord was saying, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, I know that's your desire because I put that desire in you because of what I've called you and your wife to do. I put that desire in you so that I could give you the desire of your heart that I already put inside of you. See, I know that God had this ordained. This was my wife to be from the foundation of the world. And God put that in my heart so that I could pray that and invite him to accomplish that. Well, I had no idea who he was going to give me. And I had no idea all the richness and the spirituality of what she would bring to the table. I thought I'm just looking for somebody to be right there. What I didn't know is the depth, the anointing, the impact. And uh, she doesn't just flavor my ministry. Let me tell you, this is in her own right. She is an anointed and appointed minister of the gospel. And the two of us have linked, been linked up together by the Lord. And one she'll put a thousand to flight to 10,000. So today publicly, and I've said some things over the years, but today publicly, um, declaring and announcing that we're accepting Kimberly and particularly uh, there are apostolic uh, graces on her to launch new ministries to establish new works and those kinds of things but today specifically and primarily the office of prophet there is no question in my mind that she functions in this role and uh, many things that I come out to you and say the Lord's saying this and we're going to launch this well what I don't always tell you is now Kimberly told me a year ago the Lord was saying that but I, I, I didn't buy it yet and I finally caught up and I heard it. And then I tell her, well, your timing was off, you know. <laughs> and we, we say those things jokingly, but we've recognized over the years, this is what a prophet is. Often they were called in the Old Testament seers, S-E-E-R, a seer, because they see things. They see things. And so this is a role that she plays. She sees things. And boy, does she add strength to our apostolic team. I'm going to ask each of them to share briefly with you because I want you to hear from them. They would not do it unless I asked them to do it, but I'm also going to ask each of them if they'd please share so that you can hear it. I know that I've heard from them, but so that you can hear whether or not they believe that this whole move is indeed of the Holy Spirit. So honey, would you share with us? These are the greatest days to be alive and to be a part of the church of Jesus all over the world. And I do believe this is of the Lord because it's in the word. And there's an alignment. When you align here on earth to what is in heaven, then heaven can come to earth. 
And this, what's taking place today, please understand, this is not some elite group that now we are the elite group. That's right. Here's what's happening. Your calling, the ministry that you've been entrusted with, the gifts over your life are so valuable and important to the kingdom of God that God says, I'm going to bring a few of you to lay down your lives so that you can fulfill the plan that he has for you. This is not an us being removed because of some greatness. No, no, no. This is us being positioned so that you can flow in the things that God has called you to and so that we can lead with strength and equip you to fulfill the great plan Mm -hmm. that God has for you. He has it for every one of you. And in these days, God wants to awaken his people to the greatness of his plan. It's not just a hype statement. This is a God who intentionally created you, designed you, and gave you things, gave you gifts and graces so that you could live the life that you could only live through him, but a life that would impact many. So God is just positioning us. And as we begin to function in new levels, guess what? You get to function in new levels. And I believe that you will see the impact in your personal lives as we get to serve you. Uh, I believe with greater release and greater anointing than ever before. Amen. Let me see that. Stretch your hand toward Kimberly, would you? Father, by direction of the Holy Spirit, I lay my hands on Kimberly to install her as part of this apostolic team officially, specifically in the office of prophet. I pray that every gift and every grace that she needs to walk in the fullness of this ministry would be imparted to her now by the Holy Spirit. And Kimberly, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, oh, I've raised you up for such a time as this. I brought you to this country for this assignment. You have been sent here from where you were born to come and to work a significant work for my kingdom. You know I've spoken to you about the next generation, about the young, about the kids, They are being taken advantage of in society. The wicked one has plotted and is executing a brilliant plan, it seems, against the young to enslave them with deception, confusion, and bondage. But I'm raising you up, says the Lord, and you're going to speak with such precision and such clarity and such truth and such impact that many that the enemy thought he had will be loosed and set free. I'm also going to use you with large leaders, leaders with influence, leaders with large platforms, large microphones, large influence with other leaders. And you're going to speak. And when you speak, they may not have listened to others, but they're going to listen to you. And they're going to know that you speak for me. And when they begin to get into unity, and begin to speak in one accord, then I'm going to bring about a mighty work of the Spirit, and I'm going to deliver and set on fire many, many young, many, many people. Revival is going to break out in a grand way, but I've called you for such a time as this. 
I've reserved you for such a time as this. But now is the time, says the Lord. You're no longer an up-and-coming minister. No. You are at this top level for my glory. You are at this tier. And so there's, there's no more place for you to go, says the Lord. Now this is the ultimate calling and office to which I have called you. Begin to function, begin to speak, and know that I am backing you. And it is I who placed you there, and no one can remove you, says the Lord your God. Praise God. So Lord, we bless Kimberly today, and we receive her today as part of this apostolic team and functioning in this role of prophet in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen and clap our hands in agreement now? Praise God. I'd like to welcome to the platform Pastor Carl McCauley and his dear wife, Terry. Back in 2003, The Rock was blessed with Pastor Carl and Terry. They came to our church, and boy, what gifts they have been over the years. But as I prayed about this, I knew that Pastor Carl had been identified by the Lord as being a part of this apostolic team, and he's a brilliant teacher, and he has grace in the office of a teacher. But as we prayed while we were fasting and praying, we identified that a primary gift that we need him to bring and that God has appointed him to bring is the office of pastor. He is a pastor. He has compassion for people. And he makes time to reach out to people and such. And so we're going to pray over him in that regard. But Pastor Carl, would you share briefly and uh, also let us know if you believe that this is something of the Holy Spirit? I could certainly say that I do believe that this is a work of the Lord. And I believe it's the work of the Lord because it's the word of the Lord. That's all we're doing. We are aligning ourselves to the word of the Lord, that the work of the Lord can be done in us and through us, that we might see what the Lord wants to do here on the earth. And what is it about? It's about us not asking you to serve us, but us putting ourselves in a place that we can serve you, that we can help to equip the body of Christ for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And I believe that if we do that, that we will see the move of God that we have been seeing. It'll be accelerated. We'll be going to be moving Amen. to a new level in terms of what the Lord wants to do. Souls being saved, people being set free. And you might say, but uh, you're over pastors. I'm not a pastor. All of us pastor. That's right. All of us reach out to, to care for, to comfort, and to, and to shepherd people, whether it's our children or, or, or whether it's we're over a group or we are part of a rock group or over a team or over a ministry. And we want to do that in such a way that people see Jesus. And that's what we're all about, helping more of Jesus to be seen in each and every one of us. I believe this is a work of God. Come on over here, Pastor Carl and Terry. Stretch your hands toward this dear couple, would you? Kimberly, come over here and pray with me. Let me hand you this mic back. Lord, we thank you for Carl and Terry, the gifts that they are to us. What a great ministry team they are. And Lord, specifically now, we pray for this man of God. We lay our hands on him, stretch our hands toward him.
And we say, may every gift and grace that you need for your ministry be imparted to you now by the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Carl, I believe the Lord is saying to you, though all your ministry has been anointed, and though I have used you in many mighty ways, this is the time, son. This is the time that I have prepared you for. I have reserved you for this hour. And I'm about to do a mighty work through you. This will be the culmination. This will clearly be contrasted against all of the former days. This is the time where your ministry will be the most fruitful, says the Lord. For I am raising you up and establishing you clearly, identifying you, appointing you. And you're being received now to function in this apostolic way as a pastor and as a teacher. When you speak, you will speak as the oracles of God. I am going to give you words to say, and you will say those words, but they'll have more impact now because I've raised you and appointed you in this place. And now as you spend the time, extra time in the word, reserve yourself for prayer in the ministry of the word, you're going to find out that even the normal teachings come out with more power and more mm -hmm. impact, says the Lord your God. So lift up your head, says the Lord, and don't start winding down because now is the time. My spirit will sustain you and strengthen you, and you're going to see mighty, mighty works through your hands and through your voice, says the Lord your God. Praise God. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I'd like Pastor Ty Austin to come up with his wife, Lilia, please. Uh, I had the privilege of coming here when I was in my 30s, Pastor Ty unfortunately came to the rock when he was 18 and we watched him grow up largely in ministry here and that's a good thing and a bad thing the good thing is he knows the rock and of course the bad thing is you come when you're 18 and of course we get to work with you and such but he he came through being an intern being a low-level staff person but I tell you what he's not that way anymore this is one of our mighty men in the church he is he's slaying giants today He's slaying giants today. He's an example for all of you out there who feel like, well, you know, can I really, you know, after, you know, growing up, can I really be respected? And yes, you can. Yes, you can. You start serving the Lord with all of your heart like Pastor Ty did. And just watch what the Lord does. We have seen over recent years, especially him functioning in the office of evangelist. His passion is to reach people for the kingdom of God. So often we'll be in a meeting where we'll be planning Easter, Christmas, and such. And he'll bring up, hey, I feel like the Lord wants us to reach more, more. And we say, well, let's stop and pray about that. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit's saying, that's exactly what I'm saying. You need to recalibrate. You need to, to, to realign your vision and set your sights because I can reach more in this season than before. That's the office of an evangelist. And we've watched this happen time and again. And so we knew not only was he to be a part of the apostolic team, but as we fasted and prayed, we identified, oh man, 
along with his apostolic gifts, along with his prophetic gifts, he is called to be an evangelist here at The Rock to equip all of us, every congregation, to reach people like never before. And so, Pastor Ty, come and share with us for a moment, and please also include whether you believe this is of the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you, Pastor Jerry. Well, one of the reasons why I believe this is of what God is wanting to do right now is because of the timing. It's time. It's time. Yes, if you look at the world that we live in, it's time to release every gift that Jesus has given to the body of Christ, not just to those of us who are on this stage, but we need every gift that's in this room that God's placed in you, every grace that he's placed on you, it's time to activate it. It's time to get in the flow of it. It's time to release it because if you look at the news and you go out to your jobs, you go out to schools, those places need what's inside of you. They need Jesus Christ. They need the work of God. They need the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing and functioning. And so part of what you're sensing today is a release. Something's just opening up. It's like a dam. And, and when you have a dam, there's water, water, water that builds up. But when you release the flow of that dam, it breaks out like water. Remember, David said, God has broken through my enemies like a breakthrough of water. That's, right. That's what's happening. There's a breakthrough of the water and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm just telling you, it won't be long before you just start to see, whoa, things are different. And that's why I'm glad you're here today is because sometimes people will be oblivious. They'll just step into this and realize, wow, there, something's different about your church. But you'll know, I know what it is. I know what happened. I know what took us to the next level. So we're privileged, we're honored to be on this, but we also know that this is an assignment. This isn't something that you take as like, oh, this is cool, this is nice. No, 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 this is an assignment. There's a mission that God has called our church to that we must be about. We must be about building solid lives all over the earth in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, honey. Pastor Carl, come join us. Stretch your hands toward Pastor Ty and his ministry partner, Lilia. Thank you, Lord. Lord, by direction of the Holy Spirit, we lay our hands on, stretch our hands toward Ty Austin. And we receive him as part of this apostolic team. And we pray that by the Holy Spirit, every grace, every gift that he needs to walk in the fullness and the completion of this calling, mm -hmm. that it will be imparted to him by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And Ty, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to you, oh, I raised you up. Oh, I've been working on you since you were a child. You, you, like Samuel, caught my voice and began to listen to me and walk with me even as a, as a child. And you turned your heart to me. And the enemy saw that. And the enemy wanted to trip you up. And the enemy wanted to hold you back. And the enemy wanted to disqualify you. But oh, I protected you, says the Lord. I shielded you. I put a hedge around you. And I've watched over you, says the Lord, to protect you and your calling and your anointing. Because for such a time as this, I've raised you up. I have something for you to do, says the Lord. It's something that I've ordained from the foundation of the world. And I need you to do it. I've prepared you to do it. You're going to speak and you're going to be as bold as a lion, says the Lord. You're going to call out the enemy. You're going to call him on the carpet. You're going to speak forth what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to back you, and I'm going to do it after you say it, says the Lord. Many, many, many thousands will come to the Lord through you. Millions will come. Millions, millions will come because of you, says the Lord. 
because you will say what I say, and you will say it the way that I say it, says the Lord. So be bold, says the Lord. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let anybody disqualify you. Their opinions do not matter, says the Lord. Only my opinion matters. It is I who raised you up. It is I who have invested into you all these years. And it is I who am appointing you this day and calling you to this office. And you will do it. You will complete it, says the Lord. And I am committed to continue to protect you until you bring this calling to its fullness, says the Lord. And you shall finish strong, says the Lord your God. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, we bless this man of God. And we thank you that everything that you called him to do shall be accomplished in him and through him. And we receive his ministry to our church, every congregation. We receive his ministry in Jesus' name. Can we clap our hands and say amen together? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Pastor Tristan, would you please bring your wife, Erica, up and... Uh, In fact, bring the child in her womb up as well, would you? You guys get to have three people represented from your family today. Pastor Tristan, anybody would know who's heard Pastor Tristan that has any knowledge of these fivefold ministry gifts that Pastor Tristan is a teacher. Not just because he's a normal teacher that has a gift to teach, but he stands in the office of a teacher. Pastor Tristan has an ability from the Lord to speak confidently and boldly. In fact, the scripture that comes to mind is when they said about Jesus, he speaks as one having authority and not like the scribes. Well, the scribes were the educated ones. The scribes were the ones that copied the scriptures. They knew the Bible. But Jesus came. He didn't just know the Bible. He knew the Bible. He knew it was true. He knew how it fit together. And this is Pastor Tristan. So often in our meetings, while we're talking about what the Lord wants us to do logistically, strategically with our church, Tristan will be the one to say, you know, that's like what it says over in Psalms and what it says over in Zephaniah. I mean, no telling where he's going to pull a scripture from, but he just connects the dots of the word of God, the scripture. And this is a grace. It's not because he's just all that smart, all that much smarter than everybody else. It's not because he's gone through more education than everybody else. It is a grace from Jesus himself. It is a, the power of the Holy Spirit. And man, when he teaches, let me tell you, those of us who are teachers, we listen and say, wow, that, that is profound, how the Holy Spirit speaks the word of God through him. This is not just a teacher of the Bible. This is the office of a teacher, one of the fivefold ministry gifts. And let me tell you, we've watched his character also been at the church uh, many years maybe besides Kimberly, the longest of uh, some nearly 18 years that he's been here. And so you can see the proven character of these various team members here. They're, they're not flashes in a pan. They're not novices that are newcomers. They've been at this many, many years, working, serving, sacrificing, and the Lord now is identifying them. So Pastor Tristan, come and share with us, would you, man of God? Absolutely, you know. And also, if you would, uh, by my request, just affirm, I know it already, but affirm to the people whether or not you believe this whole move of the Holy Spirit is from God. 
Yes, I am absolutely convinced that this is something from the Lord. And here's why. Because this is a very serious responsibility before the Lord. And this is not something that anybody on this platform, including our spouses, are taking lightly. You know, the Bible does say we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And the Bible also says to whom much is given, much is required. And there's been a lot that has been given to us as a team. And so we spent time in prayer to identify, Lord, is this something that you are calling the rock to? Is this something you are calling us to? And it is a responsibility that we have accepted before the Lord. In fact, even as a teacher, the Bible says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. So when we were spending time in prayer and fasting, I spent time with the Lord outside to saying, Lord, I understand the seriousness of this, and I needed to know this is of the Lord. And let me tell you, it is of the Lord, and this is something that all of us are taking very seriously. In fact, because we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, on account of the gospel, I am not swayed by the courts of the United States of America. Now, let me tell you what I did not say. I did not say I don't respect the courts and I don't respect the laws. I said on account of the gospel, because let me tell you, what you see in the book of Acts the legal system, the religious legal system was outlawing certain doctrines. And we're coming into a time where our society is wanting to outright outlaw certain doctrines and certain messages. But I am not swayed by that. This word of God is unchained. This word of God is living. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So let me tell you, the ministry of the word is going to come forth like you've never seen before uh, as a result of what's happening here today. And we're going to raise up a generation of young people and old people alike, right? We're all going to become recipients of the truth of God's word where we can stand on the defense knowing who, where we stand, amen, and that is in the truth of God's word. We're going to combat the deception, the lies, and the deceitfulness of our society and in our culture, and we're going to be rooted on God's word. Come on around. Stretch your hands toward Pastor Tristan and his ministry partner, Erica. Lord, we thank you for this man of God and he has spent years investing into the word study and preparation. And now today, by direction of the Holy Spirit, we lay hands on him and stretch our hands toward him. And we receive him and install him in the office of teacher as part of this apostolic team, along with the other graces that he has of pastor and, and all the others. Lord, we pray right now that every gift and grace that he needs for this ministry to fulfill his calling would be imparted to him by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And Tristan, I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, oh, I've invested into you all these years, very specifically, very uniquely, unlike most anybody else, I've invested and invested and invested. I've pushed you, says the Lord. I've pu pushed you to focus, to give your attention to my word, more attention, more attention. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the connections in the word. Connecting all these dots, says the Lord. Not because I wanted you to be curious. Not just for trivial matters. But I have prepared you, says the Lord, to combat a great deception that is happening in society today. Whole generations are being taken captive 
by doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. But I have equipped you, says the Lord. You're going to pick these things off and you're going to speak and teach in such a way that the body of Christ sees it. They're clear. They'll be clear. They'll be confident to be able to answer, to refute these deadly doctrines that will really drag people to hell if they don't get a hold of, of the truth. Not only that, but I'm going to speak and lead other teachers to you. Many of them will not want anybody to know that they're feeding off of your social media and your blog or wherever you post your teachings. But they're going to come and they're going to know, oh, this is God's word. This is, this is true. This is foundational. This is thorough. This is comprehensive. This is what I needed to hear. This is where I'm getting my spiritual education. I'm going to send my teachers to you. I'm going to send pastors and those who teach other people. I'm going to send them to listen to you. And they're going to see the depth, the richness. They're going to see the, the fullness and the timeliness of what you're teaching. And they'll be able to go and relay what I give to you. They'll relay it to their recipients, their congregants, uh, their media resources. They're going to be able to put those things out. And don't worry about whether or not you know who all these individuals are, for I know who they all are, says the Lord. And some have not even heard of you, but they shall hear of you, says the Lord. Because I've given you this grace, I've given you this gift, and I'm going to turn the hearts of many back to the Lord. And I'm going to deliver many from enslavement and deception through the mighty truth that comes forth from your mouth. So speak forthrightly, says the Lord. You're not an up-and-comer. You're not a newbie. You're not a novice, says the Lord. No, you're proven. And now you're being officially installed and recognized as an apostolic leader and in the office of teacher. Speak as such, says the Lord, for I truly am with you. And I am behind you. And I am speaking through you, says the Lord your God. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we pray that you'd accomplish these things and show us how to do it, how to work together as a team here, along with Tristan in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Let's, let's clap our hands in agreement. Can we? And then one more couple, Charlie, would you bring Monica up here? Let me tell you, uh, she may be four foot 11 in stature, but in the spirit, she's about nine feet tall, let me tell you. Charlie and Monica are, among this apostolic team, the newest comers to our church. But I tell you what, we've recognized in these recent years, this strong call of a prophet on Monica. She may not have all of the years of practical ministry experience that the rest of this team does. But I tell you what, when she comes into our meetings, and we're talking about what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing, what he wants us to do and such, she sees in spiritual ways. And I don't mean she's spooky spiritual. I'm not talking about some mystical thing or just pie in the sky where people roll their eyes. I mean, when she speaks, it is spiritually practical. She will remember, you know, Jesus said, uh, the words that I've said to you, the Holy Spirit will remind you of those things in time to come. 
And I'm telling you, Monica will put things together and say, do you remember when the Lord said this to us and that to us? And then here's a scripture to add to it. This is what the Lord is doing. And I'm telling you, we that, we've been around a long time. We that know the things of the spirit and we know when somebody's just trying to act spiritual. That does not happen with Monica. I mean, when she speaks, it's like the oracles of God. It's like God just came and said, hey, by the way, What's happening here, you remember I told you about this three or four years ago, and then I confirmed it another time and another time. That's what's happening. We all just say, that's exactly what's happening. That's the kind of power and strength that a person standing in the office of a prophet brings. Man, just seeing things, the office of a seer. See, and so this, this woman of God, it, we recognize as something special. But it took years because it takes years to really confirm, is the character there? Not only the grace and the calling, but is the character there? See, if you don't have the character to match the grace and the calling, then you'll just have to stay on the sidelines and just do smaller things until your character is built. Isn't that true? A whole lot of people, they've got the gifting and the grace, but they don't have the character. They can't keep their mouth in unity. They still criticize. They still undermine. They still promote themselves. This team up here, they don't do that. They don't do that. It's character. Character is required. Elders must be blameless, the Bible says. And these people all walk in character, and that would include Monica Stenberg. Monica and Charlie are just joys to be around, to tell you the truth. They're a load of fun. But uh, today we're going to pray over and receive by direction of the Holy Spirit, Monica, in this office of prophet. But Monica, come up and share with us, would you please? And uh, if you would, like the others, just affirm so that the people can hear if you sense this is indeed of the Holy Spirit. Well, I sure do. And for me, those who know me well know that I don't agree with just anything. I can't just say, oh, yeah, I, if you guys think so, I think so. I really need to hear from the Lord directly. And 18 years ago to exactly this timeline, I was 18 years old, excuse me, 30 years ago. Oh yeah, 18 years ago, I was 18. Did you hear that? Did you, was that prophetic? Yeah. I'm young. 30 years ago to this exact time frame, I was 18, I'm 48 now. The Lord spoke to me through his word. Really, one of the first times the word began to speak to me as opposed to me reading it. And in Jeremiah 1, he said, before you were born, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet. The passage goes on where Jeremiah says, oh Lord, I'm just a child, and I was. I was 18, I didn't understand this, but I knew God was speaking something, did not know what that would mean, and over the course of 30 years, some good years, some years walking strong, some struggling, God has proven to speak and to lead and to guide, and at the beginning of this year, right before we entered 2019, I, I went away, for a couple of days alone to be with the Lord. And he brought me back to this passage. And as I read it, before I could get to the part where it said, I'm just a child, the Lord broke in and spoke. And he said, don't you dare say to me, you're just a child. All these 30 years, I have walked with you. I have walked with you through the fire. I have walked with you through the floods. I have never left you. You know me and I know you. You are who I said you are. At that time, I could have no idea that he was also speaking to my leader and making an adjustment to how we function as a church. Only the Lord can do that. This was a word spoken to me that I never spoke to anyone else. 
I never said, this is who I am. I just went about being who I am. And I got to say this, I know this is the Lord because I have such great freedom that I don't have to teach like, like Tristan. I don't have to pastor like Pastor Carl. I can be who I am. <laughs> I can function the way he has made me to That's function. Right. And I believe this, this move, the reason it's important that you all hear and know is we could just do this in the background. We could know who we are and hear from the Lord, but it's important for everyone else to know so that you too can begin to function the way God called you to function, that you don't have to be like someone else. And that as we become aligned with Jesus, the head of the church, as this church and every congregation connected to it and those that receive from this ministry all come into alignment with this move of God, we're all gonna be who we were called to be. And this body, like a chiropractic move, is gonna be able to run much swifter and get much further because there's much to do in the kingdom. Before we pray over Monica, let me just mention, whenever you talk about a prophet, uh, there's a tendency for some people to wanna to run to those prophets to say, give me a word, give me a word, okay? And let me just tell you, that's not the New Testament way to run to prophets to get a word. You get saved, you be filled by the Holy Spirit, and ask Jesus what he's saying to you. We're all supposed to pray. These are not Christian fortune tellers. Is that right? Back in the old days when people weren't, didn't have the Holy Spirit and such, they would come to a seer, but they would bring that seer some money or a gift and say, hey, I need to hear what the Lord's saying and such. That's the Old Testament. Prophets could get wealthy today like that, isn't that right? That's not the way it, it happens in the New Testament. In the New Testament, no, they're added as one of the fivefold ministers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. If they have something to speak for the Lord, they'll speak it. But every one of us need to pray and ask the Lord. The Lord, by the Holy Spirit, will speak directly to us. Isn't that right? The Lord will speak directly to us. Stretch your hands toward Monica and her ministry partner, Charlie. Come on, let's pray over her. Lord. We thank you for this gift. Oh, you blessed our church with this amazing woman of God. And today we recognize her and we're thankful for this gift from Jesus himself. And so we stretch our hands toward and lay our hands on you, Monica, and say, we install you officially in this office of prophet as part of this apostolic team. We recognize that this is a gift from Jesus by the power of the Spirit. <laughs> and we thank God for it. We pray now in the name of Jesus that every gift and every grace you need, every ability that you need to function in the fullness of this office and to complete your ministry assignment would be imparted to you by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And the Lord says to you, rise up, O woman of God, rise up. Inside, you have boldness. Inside, you are a spiritual lion. And yet, you hold back so often, wanting to walk in humility, wanting to walk in love, wanting to walk in kindness, wanting to walk in unity, wanting to walk in submission to authority, all of which are appropriate and scriptural and necessary. And yet, says the Lord, I put things in you that others don't see, and I'm going to impact you, countless Lord. lives 
through your voice, says the Lord. When you speak, you will speak for me. And I get to speak directly into the earth through you, says the Lord God. Therefore, be confident. Therefore, discern what I'm saying and speak it. Because if I tell you to speak it, it needs to be spoken. And don't only speak what I speak, but speak it the way that I speak it to you, says the Lord. For the tone and the passion and every nuance of the word that I give you is implicit and intentional and deliberate, says the Lord God. And the people will hear it. They will even sense the facial expression on my face as you deliver the word because it will be just that precise, says the Lord God. And they will know I have received something directly from God himself. So be confident, says the Lord. <laughs> the things that I have done for you in your past. <laughs> yes, I have. I have done those things. And they are indeed established. And this day, I am doing yet another thing. Receive it in its fullness. And worry not what anyone else thinks. For I, the Lord, have chosen you. And I am establishing you. And I am appointing you this very day, says the Lord your God. Praise God. Praise God. Anything? So, Lord, we bless Monica. We receive her in this grace, in this office. And Lord, help us to do everything we can do to, to support her and to pray over her so that she can walk in the fullness of this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Can we say amen and clap our hands in agreement? Now, I want everybody to stand across all the congregations. Let's all stand. Everybody stand. Don't walk out just yet. Let me, let me say a few things as we're closing here. And uh, every congregation, your lead pastor will dismiss you. But first of all, we're not doing this so that people can, you know, as we walk by, say, oh, bow the knee, bow the knee. That's not what this is about. We, we don't want any of that. That's distasteful to us. The humility that Jesus walked in, that the apostles walked in without pretense, is the model after which we want to walk. We don't want anybody calling us Apostle Jerry, Prophet Kimberly. No, Paul didn't even call himself the Apostle Paul. He called himself Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was not the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm Paul. My name's Paul. My name's Jerry. My wife's Kimberly, etc. We're just like you. There's none righteous, no, not one. We were saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit to function in these capacities. That's it. So if you want to give any glory, give it to the one from which these graces came from the from the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. So we're not looking for fanfare. We're not looking for fluff or anything like that. Also, the Lord spoke to me just before the first of our weekend services where we began this and he he helped me to avoid something that could have been a disappointment to me. He said, you need to know about these services, that these services are not the boom. This is not the boom. And he gave me the picture of, you know, the kind of gun that maybe a clown would shoot when they pull the trigger. The little banner comes out that says, bang. You remember the, the kind of gun? And he said, that's the way it'll feel to you. 
This will not be the boom because this is not where it happens. When Jesus laid his hands on the 12, there wasn't some big explosion at the laying on of hands. The explosion is when they went out, having not necessarily felt anything, but when they went out and preached and laid hands, people were being healed and such. See, it's something that is in the unseen realm. It's something that is not visible to the physical eye. But in the spirit, something's happening. This is what the Lord said. The Lord said, you're pulling the trigger now, and this is happening in reality in the spirit. But you're not going to see in the services what's happening. But what you're doing is you're now aligning yourself with the ministry of Jesus. And you're now inviting the Holy Spirit to function in the ways that he functioned in the book of Acts in the early church. And you'll begin to see a flow of the spirit. And so that's what I'm prophesying. That's what I'm expecting to see. And that's what all of you should expect to see, that the Holy Spirit has now unleashed something that seems insignificant. But oh, let me tell you, it is indeed significant. Praise God. Would you do something right now? Would you lift your hands before the Lord, all of us across all of our congregations? And would you say to Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your gifts. We receive your gifts as benefits to us. And I receive your gifts as benefits to me. And I pray it in your name. Amen. Let's clap our hands in agreement on this, can we? The Lord has prepared me to prepare us for this. I have been feeling this sense from that passage of Scripture, and it was he himself who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, the work of ministry, right? I have been wondering, where is this? Where is this seen? Where is this demonstrated? Where is this lived out? Where is this oversight? You know, the overseeing. Where is this structure, this leadership structure? And there have been times when Pastor Jerry has just a phrase in passing, and whatever he was teaching, I heard it. And in lead pastor meetings months ago, we had heard it, and it was one phrase, a couple of words, and my heart leapt within me because I thought, ah, see, it's that. That's where it is. More of that, more of that. And I, I didn't know that this was coming. That's a, that's a portion of it. But us receiving them in this capacity, yeah, they're in Anaheim, but they're not staying in Anaheim. You know, they're going to be available. They're going to be around. They're going to be coming to us and ministering to us. I mean, much like we see in the word. They go all around. Paul is like, I'm desperate to impart something to you, some spiritual gift. And so we get to experience and benefit from their gifts as we receive them. And not only that, but look at what else has been happening. It was our decision to go to a unified rock group presentation this past season. And we all studied honors reward. Is that right? And so the scripture that comes to mind is whoever receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. That's very appropriate for what we have going on here. That's, that's one of the named fivefold gifts of Jesus. And whoever receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. It's our receptivity that's going to unlock us for the reward. Isn't that what we've learned, what, what John Revere has been teaching us? So this is on so many levels welcome, and so our receptivity uh, just for us all together to say these five people and their ministry partners and spouses, we receive them as the rock. And so if you affirm that, can we just one more time, we just all say amen. amen. 
Amen. Bless the Lord for his gifts. Father, we love you. You have first loved us, and so we love you in return. We give our lives to you. We yield ourselves to you so that you can do your work through us. Through us. You have gifted us all and called us all to minister this fantastic gospel as far as we can. And Lord, we don't take it lightly. In this moment, we yield ourselves again and say, not my will that would want to sit on the the couch and eat chips and watch TV all day, but yours be done. That you would empower me and inspire me and direct me to the place that I need to go to interact with the person I need to interact with and share the hope, the peace, the healing, the transformation, the life that can be found when we yield to Jesus Christ and welcome his Holy Spirit into our lives. And so we do it again today. I thank you for all these people who have come and lent their agreement and their faith and yielded themselves even to the leadership that you're establishing in our church. Lord, thank you for the honor that they show Pastor Jen and me. Lord, thank you for the receptivity to include and, and fully embrace our apostolic team. And Lord, we don't, we will not go around uh, bowing the knee and, and uh, making a big deal about all that. But in our hearts, Lord, with the reverence and the honor and respect that they deserve because they are your gifts. We see them as such. We receive them as such. And we look forward to a time, not, not to take time from them, but Lord, so that they can fulfill their ministry call, that we can receive them up here and they would impart some spiritual gift to us. Bring us all back with the word of God on our lips, our hearts open to receive, and maybe a few friends in tow to receive the Gifts of Jesus series that is coming. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.